From the Los Angeles Times, this is Coronavirus in California, stories from the front lines. I'm Gustavo Ariano. It's Friday, May 22nd. Today, the island of Catalina, 26 miles across the sea, as the song goes, is a keeper of many myths and histories here in Southern California. And Julie Perlin Lee has insight into both. She's the executive director of the Catalina Island Museum. The island should be bustling with visitors right now, but it's not. And the museum, like its peers across the Southland, has been closed down altogether because of the pandemic. But Julie has taken the museum online in the meantime. She says the island has shown resilience to disaster time and time again that the rest of us can learn from. Blue Shield of California would like to take this moment to thank the mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, daughters, sons, friends, and heroes on the front line. This fight is tough, but so are you. And we're grateful for your courage and your dedication to keeping us all safe and healthy. Thank you. Julie, describe how Catalina is right now. Like right now is a time where it would be the beginning of the tourism season. And But how is it right now? Oh, yeah, usually after Mother's Day, we see a big pickup, you know, in people coming over, families, of course, cruise ships twice a week, Mondays and Tuesdays. And I uh, took a walk this morning just to check things out. I think I counted probably about 25 People mostly working on um, building projects around town. But I also noticed there's a lot of grass growing up through the beach, weeds in the sidewalk, and I counted about four or five businesses shuttered. Um, So it's a very different feeling than, uh, let's say, May last year. How's the mood of the people who are living there? I think like everywhere, people are trying to understand how much longer we can go on like this. Um, There's a ton of frustration, of course. You know, I think nationally we're at 15% unemployment or about to hit that. But here in Avalon, we've been at over 90% unemployment for going on two weeks now. So that's very hard to cope with, you know, and the future is so uncertain, the recovery, the road to recovery is very uncertain as well. Uh, But Catalina has weathered catastrophes in the past. Oh, for sure. So there's really been one other time when the island was closed off to visitors, and that was during World War II. And essentially, the island was turned into a base um, and really an amazing history because the OSS, the predecessor of the CIA, all of that training was done here. And I would say that's the difference. You know, the island was shut to visitors, but there was something happening here. I've been thinking, gosh, how could we equate that today? It's like, okay, well, we shut the island to visitors, but, you know, we need uh, technology or big education or something, some sort of environmentalism, perhaps, someone else to come in and utilize the island and therefore give people some purpose and some way to work. But right now, it's just, uh, we're just waiting like everyone else. Yeah, once the Catalina Island Museum opens again, I strongly urge listeners to not only go, of course, but they have this cute little theater near the lobby, and they have this film on the loop that tells all about the history of Catalina, the movie stars, of course, the music. But then there's also a small clip about the big fire that almost wiped out Avalon. Yeah, so we've had a couple of, we've we've had a fire that wiped out half of Avalon. That was in 1915, and it was incredibly devastating. It took a long time to rebuild the town. Uh, that was in, like I said, 1915. The city of Avalon had just incorporated in 1913, but the rebuild was really slow to go. The island community was fortunate in that 
William Wrigley Jr. Um, became a partner in the Santa Catalina Island Company and gained interest and largely through his extreme wealth at that time was able to help rebuild Catalina into one of the most amazing playgrounds on earth. Um, so that was the first one. And then again, in 2008, we had the you know terrible island fire. And again, that was really a moment where people had to leave their homes and they were evacuating the island and the certainty of the town was, you know, really, we were in peril, but the winds shifted, thankfully, and um, here we are today. So yes, we've definitely had some catastrophes in the past and we have weathered them. We will get through this one too. Yeah, Catalina always bounces back and, you know, the beauty of it all is, is always there. So as a regional, a small regional museum, what, what do you think is a role of institutions like yours right now? So definitely our role is to, you know, first it's to connect with our community. Um, our community is interesting. Being on the island, our region is really all of Southern California. So our members live all throughout Southern California and those people um, have grown up here, come to their family homes. I call them the legacy families. And they're just a part of this community as, you know, any other person. So we've been connecting with those people. And then, of course, in our immediate community, you know, we're just trying to document this time. We're collecting stories. We're collecting photographs and videos. Um, and we're trying to encourage people to write to us or respond to our request for information as if they're writing for an audience 100 years from today. People have asked me, interestingly enough, recently, was there a lockdown on Catalina Island during World War I? The answer is no, but 100 years from now, someone's going to be asking the director or curator at this museum, you know, what was happening in 2020 and, and what kind of evidence do you have to support that? Because here on the island, we do have a lot of stories that circulate. <laughs> so the museum really <laughs> needs to make sure that we're collecting the, the actuality of this event. And then with the museum currently closed, though, you're also trying to bring people into the museum virtually. Oh, yes, of course. So, you know, we work so hard um, as a nonprofit, everything we do, we fundraise for everything we do practically, and we invest years ahead in all of our programming. And so we've been trying to keep our programming virtual. So, for example, we just had our 33rd annual silent film showcase, which was virtual, uh, silent film in a virtual realm, which was really um, just mind-blowing to think about. And then we've been doing other things like digitizing old VHS tapes and oral histories and sharing those, um, sharing artifacts from our archive, anything we can do just to keep Catalina front and center in people's mind to remind them how amazing this place is. This LA Times podcast is presented by Blue Shield of California. The fight is tough, but so are you. Thank you, Frontline. This advertiser has no influence over editorial decisions or content. So, Julie, of course, your uh, husband, David, is an artist. So both of you have been involved in arts in Southern California, specifically in Orange County, for years. So what are you hearing from art galleries about you know, how they're surviving? Um, I think that 
what I'm hearing from them is, um, you know, like, like, like most, this is just um, a tough time. People are unsure about purchasing, buying, and um, bringing in items that, you know, might seem superfluous in these times. So I really am worried about art being able to get into other people's hands um, physically. But what I'm not worried about is how artists always handle situations like this, which is to document, paint, film, make music, and and share, share, share. So like everyone, I see just this really um, huge groundswell of creativity happening. And fortunately, people are not running all over and are at home and are getting to enjoy a lot of this. So, you know, um, the arts often is the thread that carries us through in difficult situations. And no doubt that's going to happen here. But it's very difficult for artists. That's not a joke. I mean, most people who have uh, are in the performing or musical arts have their gigs canceled. Um, shows have been postponed and canceled. You know, often the people who give us the most joy get hit the hardest. And it seems to me from what I see, that's what's happening now. Speaking of art, yeah, the Catalina Island Museum is also having a Frida Kahlo exhibit. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we thank you so much for bringing that up. So the exhibition for this summer, uh, the Frida Kahlo, it's actually the photographs of a man named Nicholas Murray. He was Frida Kahlo's lover. And he was a fashion photographer and did really wonderful work. During their affair, he took private pictures of her that are so gorgeous. We have planned to have them here this summer, this June. We've already paid for the exhibition to be here. But of course, we've been nervous about, should can the show go on? Shall the show go on? Will visitors be here to see it? But you know what we've decided, Gustavo, is that we cannot let it go. We feel that we will be able to open the museum, if nothing more, just to our own community here of 4,000 residents. And we want to do that. So I'm actively fundraising right now. It's kind of our dream at the moment. And I know that with enough people behind it and enough people hearing this message and really enough outreach that we can raise $20,000 together and that $20,000 will not only help us with all of the expenses of making sure the show is finally realized, the gallery's done, it gets here and back. But if we can make that mark, we're going to open the museum to all of our 4,000 residents for free to celebrate that achievement. So we're hoping that we can share the beautiful art of Nicholas Murray. Of course, Frida is just stunningly gorgeous in every one of these photographs. And then, of course, just to do something that feels really good for Avalon. That's one initiative that you're trying to do to, you know, both financially support the island, but also open it up. What well, what are you seeing in Southern California, other galleries or other museums like yours that you're really liking in terms of engaging with the community? I love to garden, as I think you might know, Gustavo. So I really have been loving what the Huntington uh, Library and Gardens is doing. They've been making, uh, using old documents to recreate recipes of food and uh, cocktails and garden-inspired everything. So I've been enjoying that. And then, of course, um, my friends over at the Bowers are doing a great job by putting exhibitions online. And I've been enjoying, you know, scrolling through those online exhibitions. I honestly wish I had more time to take part in what everyone is doing. There's just so much. It's it's hard to focus sometimes. And and I'm also one of those lucky people who's homeschooling a couple kids as well. So, <laughs> so my days are short, but um, 
like I said earlier, there's just so much going on. There's uh, endless amounts of things to find and discover. And um, just a huge kudos and round of applause for all the gallery owners and museum people trying to um, keep creativity in our life. It's so important right now. Do you see more the public being more appreciative now of these museums, especially small museums like yours? You know, the Huntington Library, of course, is an institution, Natural History Museum. But then I think a lot of times people forget about those smaller museums that are still very much a part of Southern California life and in many places have been around for decades. It seemed to be always overlooked. So are you seeing more like appreciation from the public now that they can actually go in right now? Well, sure. So that's the great democracy. That's tool of uh, social media and being able to share. Uh, when we had our silent film program, we had watchers. And when we've been doing Instagram Live, we have watchers all over the world. So we're connecting in with new people and new ways and um, bringing some light to to some of the things that, you know, we've been doing for years. We know it's great quality programming and we just haven't had the reach. We haven't put all of our effort into reaching outside of our normal group of people. And when we open up to them, they have really rewarded us back with amazing comments and participation and and also donations. And then finally, of course, Catalina, Southern California's island of romance. And we can't go right now and see and experience it. So how can the rest of us here in, in Overtown, as people in Avalon say, how can the rest of us Overtown support both the Catalina Island Museum and Avalon, either right now or in the future? Okay, so thank you so much for asking. So you can support the Catalina Island Museum. I would say hop onto our website, catalinamuseum.org, or go on YouTube, check out our YouTube channel. Our Facebook page is chock full of all sorts of great videos and content. If you see something you like, make a small donation, $10, $5, $1. If you want to help us bring Frida here, uh, you can also donate to us. There's always a way to give us a little note. Um, you can shop through our store with us. That works too. Um, one of my favorite galleries here in Avalon is called Aficionados. And Aficionados, you can buy directly through them. They have these great t-shirts with original designs by my friend Karen King. Or, you know, call up Coyote Joe's and uh, give them $250 and say you'd like to uh, buy 250 tacos on a Tuesday night for the town. Um, or just pick any business that might be open. They're few and far between, but, you know, they'd all appreciate, if nothing else, just a hello from the mainland. And Coyote Joe's, by the way, great Mexican restaurant. Ask for their spicy salsa, but even their mild salsa is super, super good. I could speak to it from experience. Thank you so much for this interview, Julie. Thank you, Gustavo. Take great care. That's it for today's episode of Coronavirus in California, Stories from the Front Lines. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story you want to share with us? Call our hotline at 213-986-5652 and leave us a message. That's 213-986-5652 or email me, gustavo.ariano at latimes.com. Trust me, I read them. This podcast was hosted by me, Gustavo Ariano. Our producers are Paige Himeson and Stan Lee. Our senior producer is Rina Palta, and our executive producer is Abby Fentress Swanson. Our engineer is Mike Heflin, and our original music was composed by Andrew Eben. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple. Special gracias to Julia Turner, Shelby Grad, Hector Becerra, and Clint Schaff. For the latest coronavirus stories by my LA Times colleagues, including an up-to-the-minute tracker of cases across California, don't forget to visit our website. Right now, access to facts has never been more important, and the LA Times is in the business of reporting them. Stay connected and subscribe, because your subscription supports the production of podcasts like this one and our award-winning journalism. Visit latimes.com slash support LA Times to subscribe. Stay safe, 
and see you Monday.